Welcome to the Dream Centre Manchester, where we trust the ministry of Pastor Tony Higginson and the team will challenge and inspire you to become the move and be the demonstration. We warmly invite you each Sunday morning to join us for our family service, but for more information or to subscribe to our podcast, visit our website at thedreamcentre.co.uk. So what we want to do this morning is um, we want to build on what's been, what Pastor Tony's been speaking about in the house over the last few weeks. So there may be one or two things you might think, actually I've heard this before, why are you telling me this again? But it's always good to hear it again. And it's going to come from a different perspective maybe on something you might not have picked up before. So our title this morning is One Foot in the Grave. One Foot in the Grave. All become obvious later. Um, but Pastor Tony's talked about um, the principle of enough. Um, how we need to live by this principle um, when we think about what we need in our daily lives. You know, do we need two cars? Do we need that bigger house? Do we need all this other stuff that we need? Because the principle of, of enough is a key part of us living a godly and righteous life, isn't it? It's part of the process of our flesh dying and then giving ourselves more over to him. Because it means we're not filling our time needlessly chasing the things that we're trying to, we're trying to get and trying to, or we think we need. Then we've got more time, more space in ourselves for him and what he needs to do in us. You know, I'm sure we've all got something that we think, Can I, I can't get enough of that. You know, I really want some more chips or I really want some more chocolate so for me that's what it is for me it's food I love my food and if you notice it's always the things that drain your bank balance or are bad for you or do all that stuff that you can't get enough of I've never heard anyone say I can't get enough of broccoli I need more broccoli I've never heard it's never ever been said but the, the principle of enough it's such a powerful principle to live by. You know, it's essential for our growth. Because if we don't live by that principle, we can spend our time striving for things that are out of our reach. And then we blame God for not providing our needs or what we think are our needs. So in, in us, we think we need it, but it's actually something that we want. So we strive for that. And then if God doesn't provide it, we then blame God. But it's not what we need. So if you cry out to God, saying. God, I really need a job that will give me 10 grand more a year. I really need this job. You've got to ask yourself, do you really need it or do you just want it? If you need it, then God will provide it because that's what he's, that's what he's there. He's not that, I'm going to say that's what he's there to do, but that's not just what he's there to do. But he will provide what we need. If we need a, a, a job with an extra 10 grand a month, and we think we need it, but we don't, we get the job because we can do things on our own if we want. God's given us free will. There's no, nothing to stop us going out and getting a job with more money. There's nothing to stop us going out and buying that extra car. You know, God's going to let us do that. He's not going to stop us. That's our choice. But um, if we go and get that job that's an extra 10 grand a month and then your boss says, actually, now you've been promoted, we need you to work every other Sunday. All right. Or... That extra car you bought is now starting to break down a bit more. And so you're having to start using your finances and your resources to put into that car. But if you do need that, that job, 
with an extra 10 grand, for whatever reason you need the money, then God will provide a job where you don't need to work on a Sunday. You know, you don't need to come out of church. He doesn't take you away from what God wants you to do. So God, he won't stop us doing what we want to do, but it's up to us to seek him and find out what is enough for us to fulfill his purposes, because that's all we really need. As long as we've got enough to fulfill his purposes, then that's all we need. So if you need a bigger house, God will provide one. If you need whatever you need, God will provide it. But when is enough not enough? Is there ever a time when you think, actually, this principle doesn't apply? We turn to Psalm 63. Psalm 63, <clears throat> verse 1. It says, you, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. So there's one area of our lives where the principle of enough should not apply. You know, when you get a voucher... It's got terms and conditions. It says it does not apply in this situation. Like when you get a, a, a voucher for a meal, 50% off doesn't apply Monday to Saturday or Sunday between 10 and 6. And you have to go at 20 past 7 on a Sunday night. The principle of enough does not apply when you are looking and seeking for the things of God. When we seek God and he touches with a spirit or with a, with a word or outpours his Holy Spirit... Do we ever turn around and say, you know, thanks for that word, it's really good, but I think I've got enough now. I've got enough to go and do what I need to do. You know, I'm all right, I don't need any more. No, that's not the way we should be going. We should always be looking for more, always wanting more, needing more of his presence, needing more of his word, needing more of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You know, if we ever get to a place where we're saying that we've got enough of God, then what are you going to do? How are you going to live? How, how, what, you know, what are you going to do when you go outside? If you've got enough of God, I'm all right now. I can go out and do what I need to do. But you can't because you, you always need more. You know, there's churches that will put on a 20-minute service, give you a nice cup of tea, and people go and they attend and think, oh, great, I've got enough of God now. I've been touched. I've been blessed. I'll go out and now I can do what God needs me to do. But then they go away and they don't really live a godly life in the week. And they come back the following Sunday and they do the same again. They think, oh, I've got enough of God now. I'll go back out into the world. And then the, that process keeps going and going and going. But don't be fooled um, into thinking, okay, I don't just turn up on a Sunday and I don't go to a church that only gives us nice messages for 20 minutes. You know, I, we, you know, we come to a church which is a lot better than that. We get 
proper word, we get the Holy Spirit outpouring. Pastor Tony is always encouraging us to go more, to go deeper. Um, but so there's a massive spectrum between just get doing nothing and just thinking, okay, I've just about got enough of God, to then the other end, living for God every day, seeking him out, reading his word, always seeking the Holy Spirit. So, but don't, we need to make sure we don't get fooled into thinking, okay, just because we're just above this end of the spectrum, that, oh, actually, I'm not, I, I do get enough because I'm not right at the bottom. I'm all right. There's always more to go. There's always more extra to get. So the message version of the Psalm 63, it says, God, you are my God. I can't get enough of you. I've worked up such hunger and thirst for God, traveling across dry and weary deserts. So here I am in the place of worship, eyes open, drinking in your strength and glory, in your generous love. I am really living at last. Does that sound like someone who only wants to just get enough of God to live? No, so we need to be in that place. We need to be in that place where we devote ourselves on a daily basis, where we devote our hearts to him and serve him. So it's all about devoting yourself and who you serve. Matthew six twenty four tells us, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Yes, this scripture is specifically talking about money. But the principle still applies if you replace that word with anything else. If it's football, holidays, my job, my life, my friends, you still can't serve two masters. It's God or it's the world. It's the flesh. It's whatever else you are pursuing. You cannot serve both. There's a story um, about an old man who's trying to teach this principle to his grandson. Some of you may have seen this before, and I have enhanced it slightly to make it more understandable. So the old man said to his grandson, My son, there is a battle between two wolves inside all of us. One is evil. It's anger, jealousy, greed, resentment, inferiority, lies, and ego. The other is good. It's love. Joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, truth. So the first wolf is the flesh. The second wolf is the spirit. The little boy thought about this for a while and said, Grandad, which wolf wins? The old man quietly replied, the one you feed. So which are you feeding? Are you feeding the flesh? Because if you feed the flesh, it will shut down the spirit within you. But if you feed the spirit, it will begin to shut down the flesh within you. So which one are you serving? Which is your master? Because the truth is you can never really satisfy the flesh. You just can't. You keep trying, but the more you try, the more you feed it, the bigger it grows, the hungrier it becomes, the more it takes over your life. But we think, we live by this idea that we can easily satisfy the spirit. You know, I might come to church every Sunday that's enough to get me through to the next week I might spend 10 minutes every morning with God that's enough to get me through to tomorrow why is it we believe that why is it we find it so hard to live by the law of enough in the flesh and yet so easy in the spirit when it really needs to be the other way around 
we think we could easily satisfy the spirit and we are always looking at it from our perspective. How much of God do I need to get me through to the next day, to get me through to my next meal? Why is it our perspective? God has so much more for us than we can ever imagine. But when we live by the law of enough in the spirit, we limit God, we limit what he can give us and we limit what we can ever receive. You know, all living things go through different stages. They have a life cycle. Every living thing has a life cycle. Each life cycle has its own characteristics, but they also have some similarities. It's well known, or it's well accepted, that a human life cycle has seven different stages, but they can be broken down into five broader, simpler stages. It can be simplified. We have birth. We have this is the spirit this is the natural life cycle but there's also a spirit cycle but it's not actually a cycle it's stages so the same is true in the spirit for these five stages we have birth in the natural it's being born in the spiritual is being born again is entering the kingdom and being born again we have growth in both it's quite simply growing developing in the spirit it's maturing in god and it's part of discipleship. Funny that we had our discipleship testimonies this morning because it all fits in. And then we have reproducing. This is also part of discipleship in the spiritual sense. We need to reproduce what we have and are becoming in order to leave a legacy and raise a generation that can carry the baton. However, reproduction is not just childbearing. It's not. So when we talk about the next stage is dying, that's not to say once you've had your kids, you're now dying. That is not what we're saying at all. That is a <laughs> reproduction is reproducing something. It's bearing fruit. An apple tree reproduces itself by bearing fruit. It doesn't have children. So in the spiritual sense, it's about bearing fruit, which can be part of that is having children. But it's as Pastor Tony said, you don't just give birth and that's it. You've got to grow them, you've got to develop them, you've got to train them. That is part of bearing fruit. Then I'm going to skip to death. At this point, you are no longer present. You're no longer contributing anything and everyone is aware when someone dies. However, before that, we've got dying. Death doesn't usually come out of the blue, especially in a spiritual sense. There is a stage where we are heading towards death, but we're not there yet. This stage can begin without us even being aware of it, and it can progress so slowly that we're not even that we it's not noticeable. People around us don't always notice we've started this stage. And it can be such a long process. But what stage of your spiritual life are you in? Because if you are not growing, you are not reproducing, then you are dead or dying, assuming you have been born again. What does the Bible have to say about those who don't produce fruit? Matthew 3.10 says, The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. So it sounds, that sounds like death to me. If you are not producing fruit, you are dying. So let me ask you a question. Are you living to die or dying to live? Are you just waiting to get to heaven? 
Are you one of those people who is happy surviving whilst waiting to die? Are you someone who's thinking, okay, I'm in, I'm saved, so now I just have to wait till I get to heaven? You might live a good life, you might live right, you might pay your tithes, you might attend church every week, but really, you're not going anywhere, you're not doing anything, you're just waiting to cross over, you're just waiting to die so that you can receive that inheritance that's been promised to you. Psalm 42, verse 2, this was when David was being pursued by his enemies. It says, my soul thirsts for my God, for the living God. When can I go and meet him? Now, there are a huge group of people who read that scripture, and that's the way they're living. When can I go and meet my God? That's all I'm waiting for. I'm here for the time that I'm here, but all I want is to cross over, to get into heaven, to be with God for eternity. But you don't have to die to meet God. You don't, we don't have to live like that. And that might sound really obvious, but there are so many people who do. There are so many people who are living by that principle of, I, I'm in heaven, everything else is okay. But Jesus said, the thief comes only to kill, steal and destroy. I have come that you might have life and life to the full. Living life to the full is not waiting to get to heaven. It's living every moment. When we talk about, we said, are you living to die or dying to live? Dying to live is being desperate. Desperate to be here. Desperate to make the most of every moment, every day. And it means embracing all that God has for us in every moment. We've already said God has so much in store for us that it's far more than we're even aware of. And we have got to stop limiting him, containing him, containing what we can receive by always looking at what comes later, what comes after I die. We're not dead yet. We've got a life to live first. So our title was Having One Foot in the Grave. It's a saying that is known, it refers to people who are old and close to death. We've said there are people who are living as if they are dead already. Those people who are waiting to die might as well already be dead. That's how they are living. And sometimes you can live years and years and years like that. But having one foot in the grave can also mean trying to have one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the world. Because when we talked about the flesh and the spirit, the world is the grave. Yes, I know we're called to live, we're called to be in the world, but not of it. And a lot of people use this argument of that is why they believe they can have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom, because we're told to live in, we're told to be in the world, to be relevant, to connect with people. Yeah, but in this sense, having one foot in the world and one in the kingdom is trying to live the best of both worlds. It's trying to hold on to both, trying to live for both, enjoy both. It's having your heart torn between the two. And they are so vastly different, you cannot live in both. You have to make a choice, one or the other. Because when you live in the world, you're going to smell of the grave. Because that's what it is. It's death. So if you want to live life to the full, you have to make that choice. We talked about the wolves. Which one are you going to feed? So which one has your heart? Which one holds your heart? Which one is your master? Which one are you living for? And which one are you pursuing? 
we've used that scripture so much over the last few months of seek first the kingdom of God and all its righteousness. Seeking first the kingdom of God means living in the spirit, not living in the flesh. But dying to live doesn't just mean being desperate to live and making the most of every minute. It also means dying to self, to truly live. In the natural, we're all going to die. There's no getting away from it. However, the spirit is different. As we said, it's not cyclical. You don't, death doesn't have to feature at all, ever. Jesus has the victory over sin and death, and we are no longer held by it. We're no longer destined for it. In the natural, we begin at the beginning and we end at the end. We don't have to do that with the spirit. So we want to be in those two phases of growth and reproduction. So what do we need for growth? In a plant sense, a seed needs food. It needs light, it needs good soil, it needs water. So the good soil is where you are planted. You're planted in a house that has good soil. We are. Food is the word. Do we pursue the word? Because that's the food we need in order to grow. The light is Jesus and the water is the Holy Spirit. We need all of these things in order for growth to be present in our life. What do we need to bear fruit? We need, to, we need all the same things as above because we can't bear fruit without the word. We can't bear fruit without the light. We, we can't, but we also need maturity because a child, a toddler doesn't give birth. It's not physically possible. A sapling doesn't bear fruit. It's not mature enough. You've got to have the maturity in order to bear fruit. And this is where the discipleship comes in. We also need to remain in the vine. We need to remain connected to the source. John 15, verse 4 to 6, and verse 8 as well. We know this. We've heard it many times before. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my word remains in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So how do we arrest death and move into the growing fruit-bearing stage? The answer is simple. We must die. Yes, this is a paradox. But as Phil said in Authentic Sonship, the more you die, the more you live. This is where everything that's been said recently is key. We have already said that in order to grow and bear fruit, we need food, light, good soil, water, and maturity. But we also need discipleship and obedience. Maturity comes when we, first, when we seek first the kingdom. It comes when we take up our cross daily and when we choose obedience. So we need to choose to die to self to live in Christ. We need to choose to cut off the flesh and feed the spirit. We need to let the spirit man become the dominant wolf in our lives. We need to choose life, choose obedience, 
Choose to seek the kingdom and choose to earnestly seek God above everything else. But why bother? You might think, that's all well and good, but if I'm happy where I am, I'm saved, I believe in God, I love God, I'm, not, I'm living a good life, I'm not doing anything wrong, why do I need to bother? Because God said so. The very first instruction we were ever given as humans was, go forth, bear fruit, and multiply. Yes, that was talking about having children, but at the same time, I, this is my personal opinion here, I don't believe that when God said bear fruit and multiply, he was only talking about giving birth. Because they mean the same thing, bear fruit and multiply. Why use both words if it's not to have something more than just giving birth. So right from the very beginning, we were called to bear fruit. The most recent instruction, or one of the most recent instructions we've been given as a house, become the move, be the demonstration. So from the very beginning of time to most recently, God is telling us the same word. It doesn't change. So your life is a demonstration. The way you live is a demonstration. How you... See, God is, is demonstrating to others in the house what, what to do. But when you go outside, the way you live, the way you act, the, what, what you say, what you do, it's all a demonstration. Um, and people watch us. You know, people are watching how you behave, how you act. And that's why we often stand out and people often say, something different about you. You know, because we, as Christians, and coming from this house, we don't act in a way that the world expects us to act because we've got behaviours, we've got um, certain, um, we've been taught the right way to, to, to interact with people and to um, interact with our environment and the community and all that sort of stuff. We stand out because we are different, but people watch us. People look to see how we act. So what is your smell? Do you smell of life? Do you smell like a field the Lord has blessed? Or do you smell like death? Because death has a stench, has a smell. And people, people can pick up on that. But we often try and cover that smell sometimes. If we think, oh, do you know what? I've not, I've not been to church for, for three months. I need to I best, best go to church and just I'll make up something that... Oh, you know, I've been busy at work and all that stuff. That's you covering up your smell of death because you've not been walking with God. You've not been living how, how you should be. So if you're not living, then you're dying. So you try and cover that up. You know, I've had two teenage boys in my house and they stink. They smell. All teenage boys do. It's not just my two. All teenage boys do. And when you finally get them to have a shower or a wash and they put some deodorant on, the deodorant is just covering up it's just masking the smell. It's just, and, you know, it covers it off about 20 minutes and then they stink again. But Assuming that, you've actually gotten to have a shower. Yeah. <laughs> but the smell that you give off, you can't escape it unless you change something with inside you, unless you change the way you behave, unless you change the way you act. So you can try and cover it up all you like. You can spray that deodorant all you like, but eventually someone will smell someone will pick up on your smell. And if that's not life, they will be able to pick it up and think they smell of something not quite right. 
So what is your smell? Do you smell of death or do you smell of life? Do you smell of someone who is dying slowly? Because if you're not growing, if you're not producing fruit, then you're dying. We go back to the go back to this this the spiritual cycle. So this isn't a cycle. So we should always be in growth and reproduction. Once we've been birthed in the spirit, we should always be in growth and reproduction. If we move into the dying phase, then we're heading towards death. But if we stick in those two areas, then we'll always smell of life. We'll always be um, smelling nicely rather than dying. If you're not living for God, you're dying. If you're not looking to advance the kingdom, you're dying. If you only attend church on a Sunday, don't live it during the week and come back the following Sunday, you're dying. Because you're not reproducing, you're not growing. So your scent will be of death and you'll have a negative effect on those around you. People will be able to smell it. And the smell of death gets worse the longer you leave it. So if you have, so you think of flowers, for example, when they're growing, when they're rooted in the ground, they're growing, they smell nice. You take them out. Yeah, they might smell nice for a week or so. But after a bit, they start to die. And then they start to smell. And the longer you leave it, the stronger the smell gets. And on the outside, your body might be living. You might look as though you're living, but on a spiritual side, you might be dying. You're dying on the inside. But, so what does living look like? Well, fulfilling the purposes of God for your life. Always looking to advance the kingdom. Seeking God always. Having that relationship with God. Partnering with him. It means you're looking to do God's will. And always heading to where, where God wants you to go. And part of living is growing and reproducing. And in our Christian life, we should always be in one of these stages, like I said. Because Job says, Job 14.5 says, A person's days are determined. You have decreed the number of his months and have set limits he cannot exceed. So we only have a limited time on this earth. So we need to make sure we make the most of it and always look to be growing and reproducing as, as much as you can. You know, when people have a a near-death experience, afterwards they, they live life to the full, don't they? They think, oh, do you know what? I've, I'm going to go and do this. I'm going to go and climb a mountain. I'm going to do a parachute. You know, all that sort of stuff. They try and live life to the full. So don't waste your days waiting for death to come. Live like this might be your last. Live, you know, lo always look to do God's will because you don't know what's going to happen. And we can often be drifting along not realising that we're not actually living, you're drifting along and before you know it, you've wasted 10 years and you're heading towards death because you've been dying because you've not done anything. You've not grown, you've not reproduced anything, you're not bearing any fruit. So we need to make sure that we know where we are, make sure we're not drifting along and um, make sure that we're always in one of those two areas, growth or reproduction. If you don't mature, you can never produce the fruit. And that's what the growth is all about. It's about maturing yourself. It's like a, an apple tree, for example. It'll only produce fruit once it's mature. It doesn't produce fruit straight away. But as long as it's um, buried, as long as it's um, planted in the right soil, it's given the right water, it's given the right food, as sunlight, then um, it will always produce, it will start to produce fruit. So if you... Make sure you're always bedded in the right area and you're, you're in the right church. 
Just on the last point, if you can't get enough of God, if you live by the principles that you can never have too much of God, then you will smell of life. And that's what we want. We want people to smell of life rather than death. Don't live your life with one foot in the grave because that just means you're not living at all and you'll smell of death. Amen. Stand to our feet. I'm sure you've been challenged by that. I don't need to add. I think it just speaks for itself where we're at. You know, when you look at birth, we're always birthing. We're always in a a state of birthing. Think about this. We're always in a state of birthing. Though I was born and and there's there's a natural process for birth, being born, that's birth. But your life should always be about birthing. Every day the Bible says your, new, your mercy is in you every day. God's birthing new things every day in our life. And I constantly want to be in a birthing process, do you? Some of you do, maybe not all of you. But I constantly want to find my life and I want this church to be constantly in a birthing process. I want midwifery to be around in our church because for, every, for everything we birth, it takes a midwife and a pediatrician. Just been writing some notes as David and Lisa were talking. My mind starts ticking like a clock on a Jewish taxi cab. And uh, I realized to myself, yeah, I constantly, to birth means I need a midwife and I need a pediatrician to bring what we birth into health. To make sure the patterns are set so that we come into growth. And if I do that, I'm reproducing. I'm already reproducing. But dying, ah, that's good. That's why you've got to read my new book, Expire. Because people, so many people are dying and they've never lived. They've died before they've lived. And I don't want you to be that. You can be old and still young. And you can be young and you can, can be old. Some people have lived 100 years but never lived a day in their life. Kids are adventurous. You stop the adventures, you grow older. But life is an adventure. Life is an adventure. And I don't care if I get lost, because that's part of the adventure. It's part of the adventure. I constantly tell myself, me and Phil always have this little phrase, don't worry, it's all part of the adventure. And I always think in squares. I always get my cell phone by thinking in squares. And... uh, but life's an adventure. Do you want an adventure? Right, then you've got to go through that process. You've got to birth. You've got to let God birth some things inside of you. Because without birth, the rest of the process doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So raise your hands if you will. Holy Spirit, birth in me today. Adventure. Adventure. Oh, Father, I want adventure. I want to live beyond what I know, what I've touched, what I've experienced. I want to go into the wild. I want to go into the unknown. I want to go past the familiar. Oh, Father, I want to go past the familiar. Father, take me. 
Take me, take me beyond the known and the familiar. Birth adventure in this house today. Let the spirit of adventure come upon us. Not to do your own thing. It's not adventure to do your own thing. It's adventure to do to find the will of God. The perfect, pleasing, acceptable will of God is about adventure. We discover the will of God. We find the will of God. We follow the will of God. So we finish the will of God. And it's an adventure. So help me find it, oh God. Help me follow it. And help me finish it. In Jesus' name. And the people of God said... Amen. The Lord bless you. (laughs) Lord bless you.